Bianca Langford is a mechanical engineer, life coach, and founder of Path to Purpose, LLC. She teaches women how to discover their God-given purpose so they can be empowered to live a more fulfilled, joyful life and make a positive impact on the people around them. Through her coaching, Bianca helps women all over the country increase their confidence, push through fear, and reach their dreams. She also hosts personal development workshops and intensive weekend retreats for Path to Purpose. When she's not working, Bianca is either at the gym, writing in her journal, or or watching Netflix. She also may be cuddling with her new baby girl, who she just delivered last month, which is such a blessing. Bianca lives in Northern Virginia with her husband, James, their dog, Daisy, and their new beautiful baby girl. I know I mentioned her twice, but y'all, she is so cute. So hopefully if you follow her on Instagram, you'll be able to see. But if you are a Black Girls with Purpose podcast listener, you know uh, how these things normally go. We normally do a Q&A, but this Pain and Purpose podcast is going to be a lot different. You're going to be hearing from the women directly. So it's not a Q&A. It's just them sharing their stories the way they would if they were sitting across from you at the table and just saying, girl, you will never believe what happened to me. And so today, Bianca is going to actually share her testimony of how she started Path to Purpose, how she literally had a encounter with purpose and how it got her to where she is today. So I hope that you will thoroughly enjoy her message and that you will share it with somebody. And please, 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 y'all, if this podcast blesses you, make sure that you tag us on Instagram and let us know that you're listening uh, or just tag me personally at the black girl with purpose and you can uh, tag Bianca on Instagram as well. So thank you guys so much. And I hope that you enjoy her story. I know what it's like to struggle with low self-esteem. Literally all my life, I have been wrestling with this, this battle. And it's been something that has really been a thread throughout my entire life, my 31 years of living, it's always been there. So because I struggled with low self-esteem, I felt that my worth had to come from external sources. I didn't believe it for myself that I was good enough or worthy or pretty enough or any of those kind of things. I didn't believe it. I only believed it when the other people told me that I was doing good. And so I gravitated towards that. Everything that I did in elementary, middle school, high school, college, it was all about achievement. And I knew that if I could achieve something, that I would be accepted. If I got good grades, I'd be accepted into the honor society. If I was a fast runner, I would be accepted amongst my friends on track and field. And so that theme followed me through my entire life. And it's crazy because it led to so much pride. Like, literally, pride and comparison were ruining the day (laughs) when you think about it, in my high school and my college career especially. So if, if I wasn't achieving as well as somebody next to me, I felt so less than. I felt so worthless. And I felt like nothing that I could do was going to be enough. And because of that, that lack of self-esteem, because of that misplaced self-worth, I kind of threw myself at people who would give me that kind of affirmation. So um, I, I met a boy in college, and, you know, the, the first, first time that he, he wanted to, you know, have sex, it was like, all right, um, well, I don't want you to leave, 
so let me just do this. And you know what I mean? Like I didn't have the, um, the, the spiritual wherewithal to be like, no. <laughs> I couldn't stand on my own two feet and say no to that because truth be told, I, I wanted to be accepted so badly. I didn't want to get left. I didn't want to not be, to be accepted and not belong somewhere. And, and that, it really ended up having, um, it really ended up making my life shift towards what other people expected of me instead of what God expected of me. Now, mind you, I've been a Christian since I was like age seven or eight, went to Christian school, you know, grew up singing Bible songs, knew all the Bible characters, all that kind of stuff. So the foundation was definitely there, but my faith wasn't really tested until I got to college. So um, if any of y'all have experienced that, um, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> I was raised up in the church. I knew all the songs, you know, participated in youth events and, you know, knew the pastor, knew how to pray, knew all these things, but my faith was never tested um, until it was, it was, it was um, time to go to college and I got challenged. I really got challenged when I went to college. Um, all the while, I still had this low self-esteem thing going on, so I was constantly trying to prove myself. I was staying up late. I was working uh, all these different jobs to pay for college. I was joining all the clubs. So I wanted people to accept me and love me and give me achievements and awards. And as is things as things go in the world, you know, the more work you put in, the usually the the more achievements you get back. So that kind of cycle repeated itself over and over. I threw myself into work at school. I threw myself into my academics, and I did really well, and I got these achievements. Um, I even ended up getting internships that were paid internships. Shout out to um, all these engineering jobs out here who are paying for interns. We appreciate you. Um, so I, I achieved a lot of things. And on the outside, it looked great. You know, I had something to post on my Instagram and Facebook like, yep, mom, doing well. Yep, dad, everything's great. But on the inside, I was miserable and confused and spiritually lost. So that's, that perpetuated itself from, from undergrad all throughout grad school. Um, I went to Virginia Tech for undergrad and um, kind of lost my way spiritually. Like, there, there were churches around. We had crew and we had a couple other groups, but I didn't really um, interact with them so much, if that makes sense. So um, I went to a couple different events with them, but I wasn't really part of a church community when I was in college. Um, again, because I was trying to impress so many people, I was into my academics, and then everybody said they're going to the parties, so I was going to the parties. You know, I was hanging out with people like that. Um, truth be told, I didn't know who I was in college. Um, and so I was, I was swayed by every different discipline, every different doctrine, of what um, I should be doing, quote unquote. Um, and so I, I learned and I actually mastered the art of how to be well-liked and accepted, but really I didn't know who, who I was. Um, I didn't know what my identity was. Um, I thought my identity was in my, my roles, like, oh, I'm a student. I'm an engineering student. 
um, I'm I'm the good girl, quote unquote. I I don't smoke or drink at the parties. I'm just like here to hang out. I'm just here to dance, you know. I thought that it was in me being a girlfriend. I thought my identity was me being a a daughter or a sibling, um, and eventually becoming an aunt. But really, it wasn't it wasn't any of those things at all, you know. Before before I was any of those titles, I was a daughter of the one true king. And somehow along the way, I lost that in my life. Um, and because I lost that, I fell into this, this whole prideful situation where as long as I do, if I do for other people, then I get some accolades back. I'm going to be accepted. I'm going to have these achievements. And those will keep me warm at night, you know. But what's funny is that the more stuff I achieved, the more trophies I got that had that external um, or that extrinsic kind of reward value, it, it didn't last very long. You know, I could work a whole year and get all these good grades and, you know, be this amazing person for this extracurricular organization. At the end of the year, they have these award ceremonies and everybody gets their, you know, their due and you get a plaque. And I'd be like on the stage, yes, look what I did. And then the next week, back to desperation of trying to find that, that next high, that next um, achievement that I could get to. So um, I always felt that I need to prove myself. And that led me to a very prideful spirit. Y'all, it was, it was so deep. I didn't even know I had it until what's about to happen next. So um, I, I made it through undergrad, um, ended up moving up to University of Maryland, College Park for grad school, got my master's there, and that was another achievement moment, right? Walk across the stage, everybody looking at you, oh, mastered it, you know, all this stuff. Um, but then after I got the degree, it was time to move on to a career. So I ended up um, getting hired at a, um, a local Baltimore engineering company. Um, they're actually around the world but I work at the Baltimore office, and, um, you know, year after year, I'm like, okay, now, how do I get to the next level? How do I get promoted? How do I, you know, find my way in this multi-billion dollar corporation? And like anything else in my life, I learned how to um, find the people that would give me the achievements and the accolades quickly. So I was on that fast track to success. Um, I came in as like a level two engineer because everybody with a master's comes in at level two. Um, and then I was like, all right, bet, like let's get to level three quickly. What I got to do, what I got to do, what I got to do. And um, I found that path. Um, if you want to learn, learn more about that, please hit me up because there's so many different ways of how you can um, increase up the career ladder. But I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. I was trying to make more money. I was trying to make my, my own name great, and I was trying to get these achievements, y'all. Um, and so it came down to it. I was, I was working, I started working 2013 in the summer, and about four years later, I had been promoted to the next level. I was level three. People knew my name. You know, I had spoken at conferences inside the company, outside the company. I had publications. I had awards. Like, like I said, fast track to success. So in those four years, I had a big head, like, oh, you know, y'all need me here, you know. 
I have to be able to work this job, and if I'm not here, then stuff doesn't get done. You know, I never said it out loud quite like that, but in my mind, that's exactly how I was feeling. Like, y'all need me, and um, that's how this is going to be. You know, I'm invaluable. What, what did Beyonce say? Um, I'm irreplaceable. So I had this whole, like, clouded vision, and really I had a big head. I don't know how I, my head fit through these doors walking in and out of the office because my head was huge. Um, and I'll tell you, too, in addition to all of this, I got married in 2015. Um, and so that was about two years into my career journey. Um, and uh, I married that guy who, who I was with in college. Um, we've been together now 13 years in total. Um, but I will, I will tell you, I did not know how to become a wife um, and how to be successful at being a wife. So it, it wasn't like a cut and dry thing like how school was. You know, you, you put the work in and, you know, you cook him dinner, you are there for him, and then he'll love you forever and he'll give you words of affirmation. Um, sorry, but my husband, he's amazing, but he is not one of those words of affirmation kind of guys. And I need that. You know, like that's what I relied on to make it through. Um, so because um, I say I... I didn't find my worth in being a wife, um, so in in my my mind, I kind of walked away. Like I was still married. Yes, we were still you know doing stuff together, but he had his own life and I had my own life, and I fell into what I call a career affair. Now, it wasn't like I was sleeping around with somebody else at the office. No, that never happened. But I fell in love with work. Because work is what gave me those achievements. Work is what made me feel like I was somebody, you know, and that's where I got the words of affirmation. People said, you know, Bianca, you're so amazing. I don't know what we would do without you, you know, all those kind of things. I got that at work, but I didn't get that at home. And so I just gravitated towards doing stuff more at the office. I was, you know, putting in overtime hours, taking on extra assignments, whatever I could do to get more and more of that high, that external validation. And that was my proof that I was good enough, you know, that I was worthy. Um, and it's, it's crazy looking back at it now, but it was kind of a, um, a subconscious choice that either I could stay here at the home and, and learn to become a wife and spend that time, or I could just take the easy way out and fall into this career affair. So that's exactly what happened. I fell into the career affair. Um, so one night, um, this was September 2017. So I'm, at this point, I'm four years into my work journey. Um, coming home, it's late, late at night. I hadn't eaten lunch that day at all, um, so I was hungry. Um, and I went over to, um, matter of fact, I think... Before, before I went to get something to eat, I went over to church. I was at church that night for a worship night. So getting first, that whole day was crazy. I got to work early, worked all day, skipped over lunch because I was too busy and too important to eat. Then I went to this worship night at my church, which is like everybody praising God. Like It was a fantastic experience. Um, and they're giving testimonies about how, you know, 
um, somebody was in a car wreck uh, or they needed a car or something like that, but you know, God provided for them. I was like, oh, praise God. Like, yep, good for you. You got your testimony out. That's awesome. And, you know, I ended up just leaving there and going, um, going home and thinking nothing of it. So um, I ended up going to get something to eat at the local fast food joint, which was like minutes from my house, maybe three minutes away. And I told myself, I'm not going to eat this food until I get home because, you know, I'm going to reward myself by getting back. Um, it's like 10 o'clock at night, so this light near my house, it changes um, from like a, a solid green, yellow, red to a flashing system at 10 o'clock. So it literally has just changed. It's like 9.59. Um, it changes over to 10 o'clock, and then the, the flashing lights go off. So I'm in the lane that has the flashing yellow, so I start, you know, proceeding with caution, driving through, and um, there's a driver on my right side who has the flashing red and doesn't stop. They don't stop, y'all. So um, well, our, our vehicles ended up colliding together, and this is, this is the crazy part for me because um, the turns out the girl who was driving the car, she's a teenage girl. She was, like, 18 years old. Um, her name um, is Mia, and Mia in Swahili means purpose. So I literally collided with purpose on this evening as I'm going home about to do more work, part of this career affair thing. Like, so um, we collide together. Um, her car spins around. Um, she ends up being fine. She walks away. Um, but my car was totaled, and I had a broke. I suffered from a broken arm. Had to go to um, first the um, what's it called the the EMTs all came. Had to call them. Um, went to the emergency room that night. Was up all night till four in the morning. Like um, had to get surgery on my arm, which of course is expensive. It was from what I recall thirty six thousand dollars. Um, so I had all these all this craziness happen, all this chaos, and I, I just remember the night we came back from the ER, um, or was the day we came back, just talking to my husband and being like, why? Why me? Why this? Why now? Of all the time. But, and, and he couldn't give me an answer, of course, and he had to go off to work and do his own thing. Um, so during the day, I had nobody else to talk to but God. I just had my my time, I was literally laying on the couch just like feeling sorry for myself, knowing that I couldn't work, um, knowing that I had to go in for the surgery, and just being like, God, why did you do this to me? Why now? Um, and I didn't get the, the real revelation until months and months later, um, but it was to break me from that prideful spirit. It was to break me of that sense that I'm in control of my life and that everything I do has to be about me. Um, I will tell y'all, when I came back to work, after, you know, I recovered from surgery and all, I had to go start physical therapy, did all of that, and about a month later, um, in October, I went back to work, and I'm walking in thinking, like, everything's going to be falling apart, you know, my program, my project's just going to be a hot mess because y'all need me, right? That was my thought. Y'all need me more than I need you. And um, sure enough, I came in, and my project had been reassigned to somebody else. 
the program was running just fine, and um, they actually didn't have any work for me to do for the first couple of days. So I was like, oh, that's a, that's a gut check. Um, I was not expecting that one there, Lord. Uh, so that kind of came and, and broke my spirits. Um, and um, that weekend, actually, the weekend after, this is becoming a long story, but trust me, it does come together. Um, the weekend after I came back to work, so that Friday, I was planning and actually hosting a purpose retreat. Um, I had planned this with some friends, my friends Jasmine and Desiree, and they encouraged me to go out here and share the things that I had been learning um, about purpose with other women. So we rented a cabin. Um, really, it, was, it wasn't a cabin. It was a mansion. Let's call it what it was. It was a mansion in um, Virginia. And we, we sat up there for the whole weekend praising God, like learning about our purpose um, and, and why God has made us this way. We talked about identity. We talked about um, the great commandment and great commission and how every person that God has created on this earth is unique and that we all have value. Like, I, I knew these things because I was talking about it and I was, I was basically preaching about it um, on this mountaintop moment. And um, it's interesting that after that mountaintop experience um, where, <laughs> this is a whole other story, but my sister was there and my mom was there, and that was something that, like, took, took me out. <laughs> we had a very difficult relationship up until that point. So the fact that they came to support me and, and be at the retreat, my mom came, she cooked, like, all of those things. Um, were just, it, it blew my mind. It, just, it showed me what God could do um, through, his, through his grace and his redemptive power. So I'm like, I was on top of the world. So I get back in my car. Mind you, my car was totaled in the accident in September, so I had to buy a new car. I did buy a new car. I'm in the new car driving um, back up to Maryland where I lived, um, and I had to go through that same intersection the same intersection where the first accident happened. And so I get there. Mind you, this is during the day. So I get to the intersection and uh, stop. There's a red light. The stop was red. So I'm there. And um, I'm, I'm there for maybe two, three seconds. And next thing I know, I hear screeching tires. And I just feel my entire body moving forward through this intersection and into the next lane over, just like, just moving. I said, I don't know how I'm moving when I'm on the brakes. Well, it turns out I had gotten rear-ended in my brand-new vehicle in the same exact intersection where the first accident happened. And all I could do was cry. I cried out to God, like, why, 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 why? Like, I've just gotten over this whole first accident thing. I've had the crying nights. I've had the time that I spent talking to God. I thought I was over this. I thought I understood the, the prideful spirit. I thought I had gotten over that, God. But here, here I am again, and you're teaching me the same lesson again. And I'm like, God, I got it the first time, <laughs> you know? Like, literally, I'm there. I still have the brace on from my, my, on my left arm from the broken arm in the surgery. 
I'm still wearing the brace. Like, I, I haven't even recovered yet, God. But yet and still, I'm here experiencing the same thing in my brand new car. So I'm going through all that again, like just the, talking to the, the cops, talking to the insurance companies. It's ridiculous how much pain I had to go through. And not only the emotional pain of reliving this very similar experience, but also now dealing with the financial strain of can I even afford to go through this, this kind of recovery again, dealing with the physical pain of thinking, Am I going to be able to do anything else with my life? Granted, I walked away from the accident without any major, I'm putting that in quotes, without any major um, injuries. But even to this day, I'm still living with the pain of that accident. And this was two and a half years ago by now. Um, so I, uh, my, my back was strained. I've been going to physical therapy and seeing chiropractors ever since. Um, I've had to learn how to run again because before all this, I was a runner. I was running long distance. As a matter of fact, I was training for a 10-mile a race before the first accident happened. Um, so that those days have, have changed, right? I used to play guitar, but now with my, my left hand being the way that it is, I can't play like I used to play. I mean, there's so much about my life that has changed and shifted. And every time the weather changes, when it starts to rain or get hot or get cold, I can feel my joints in my back. I feel my wrist and my hands and my fingers just not operating like they used to. And every single time I feel that pain, I'm reminded of these two car accidents. And when it first happened, and that first fall came about, my, my mind and my body were not ready for that transition. I was not ready for that cold. Um, so much so that I actually fell into a very, very deep depression um, in that winter 2017 to winter 2018. I didn't want to see nobody. I didn't want to go out. I was, I was still trying to achieve and do all these things at work, but I just I couldn't do it like I used to do it, right? I wasn't the Bianca that people were used to seeing. And because I didn't have that achievement, I'm like, oh, my God, what am I here for? <laughs> you know, what is my, my worth? Where is my worth? And um, it was a really, really awful time. Um, I remember um, right around my birthday, actually, which was in February in 2018, just, like, trying to – trying to come out of that depression by myself, um, trying to will myself out of it. I didn't see a therapist. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't really call it what it was. I didn't even think I used the D word. Um, but that's what it was. It was depression um, in, the, in the very strong sense. And um, because of all that, I, I started having these um, really strong feelings that, like, I don't need to be alive anymore. I had these really strong feelings that I don't matter and nobody will know if I'm gone, nobody will care, you know, um, which I know is, is not of God because God has given us worth and he's given us so much life and freedom and salvation. Like he's, he's not even about all that stuff. But when, 
when you're in a state of depression like that, that's all you can hear. And um, that's all I heard. And so I, I couldn't stomach that pain of, of rejection from the world anymore. I couldn't stomach it. And so I remember taking um, the extra pills that I had left over from the, the arm surgery and, and like, I held the bottle in my hand. I'm looking at how many pills are in there, and I'm like, yep, that's enough. I could do this. But before, oh, God is so good, because before I did anything, I called my husband, and I was like, babe, I'm really having a tough time. I need you to come home from work, like, right now. Like, help me, help myself, because I'm no good to myself right now. And he came home, sure enough, and, like, just talk me through it. Like he listened to my problems. He was totally there for me. And and that's what I'm not gonna say it was that particular moment that like shifted everything, but it was it was definitely like having someone around who understood what I was going through changed everything. So I actually started opening up to him more about how I was feeling. Because of course he had, he he knew, he saw that I was like sleeping in more um, not into my usual activities. He saw that I was, you know, um, you know, not eating as, as much as I used to. So all those kind of signs. But he didn't know how severe it was until I opened up and told him. So um, that's one plug that I will say. Um, make sure you have somebody around who understands your situation, um, who can empathize. Even better if they're like a licensed counselor. But at least talk to somebody because that, that day literally saved my life. It literally saved my life. Um, so from there, um, I started to, I was still in physical therapy for my arm and my back at the same time. And right around like March, April-ish, I think, is when um, we finally settled on the first car accident. So I did all the work by myself, which was crazy and difficult, and I don't know if I'd recommend it, but um, if you feel strong enough <laughs> to do that, um, you, you should, because lawyers are expensive. Um, but I, I finally got through all the bills. I gave them all the paperwork that they needed, and they finally came back with a settlement check. Um, now, I should preface this by saying, at the time, my husband and I were in debt. Um, it was mostly, like I say, yeah, mostly student loan debt and cars. Um, we um, we heard about Dave Ramsey at that time, so we were we were all into the baby steps, like trying to pay it down. We were paying a whole lot extra on our student loans, but it still wasn't, you know, it wasn't paid off by any situation. I think we still had like forty thousand dollars left. So it was a lot of money that was left on those loans, um, plus our cars. I think my car was, well, this is the second car, right? So they gave me a check to pay off the told car, and my, my Honda, my newer car, was um, probably about seven or $8,000 I had left to pay on that, and my husband's car was about 20000 So we had a lot of money that was out there that needed to be paid off. Um, and we had payment plans and everything, but when the settlement check came through, per Dave Ramsey's principles, he says, take your money and, and pay off your debts. So um, when, when this check came through, I'll be completely honest and say 
it was $100,000 cash. Um, we Googled it just to make sure that this is um, non-taxable income. It was indeed non-taxable. So I was like, well, okay, first, first fruits, 10000 of this goes to the church. No questions asked. We didn't even think about it. Um, but then the rest of it, the rest of the 90, we were like, well, <laughs> let's put it on this debt. And so that's exactly what we did. And we were instantaneously debt free. Um, I say that not to be prideful or not to be braggadocious, but mainly to say this is, this is one of the positive outcomes of all the pain that had happened in those past few months. Um, the car accident, the depression, the literal physical pain of surgery and physical therapy, the emotional pain that came along with it, like all of those things were almost like justified or, or felt like it was made right because we were able to move into a whole new phase of, of our mindset, right? My husband and I made this decision together to pay off this debt, and it brought us closer as a family because we weren't so reliant on our jobs and working overtime or all these things to make this money. Instead, we were debt-free, so then we could focus on our future together. And um, we had struggled with that for a very long time. So that's one of the, the positive elements of this story um, that helped us as we, as we made it through. Um, another one of the elements that came out of it was, of course, my business, Path to Purpose. Um, I will go ahead and say, I'll be honest, that when I first started Path to Purpose, it was a little bit of that, um, that prideful sense of, you know, this is my business, and I'm doing this, and, you know, the Lord gave me this revelation, and this is all, you know, me, me, me. But oh, praise God, over the years, he showed me that this business is not for me. It's, it's really not. He's just chosen me as a vessel to bring this to the world. So, um, so what do I do? I, I teach. Um, I, I call it educate, encourage, and empower um, people of faith to find their purpose and then figure out what they're meant to do with their life. And I, I can honestly say that I can do this because this is literally the journey that God has walked me through. Um, he, he showed me my identity. He showed me that it's not in all of these accolades and all of this, you know, me, me, me stuff, but it's really about using my skills, my talents, my passion and all the experiences I have gone through in my life and using those to help other people to grow, to show them the ABCs of Christianity, right? Admit, believe, and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, um, discipling other people, and eventually being a true evangelist and sharing the gospel everywhere that I go, not by being some missionary or by being a preacher because that is not my path, um, but instead, I do this through workshops and retreats and coaching and really training people up in the way that, that I learned. I learned on the job, <laughs> you know. As I was going through life, people who are coming up, you know, beside me and saying, like, sis, I see what you're doing, and, um, and I, I'm going to help you grow in this way. Let me pour into your life in this way. Um, so that's kind of... How, how I got to where I am today. Um, 
And like I said, I'm a soon-to-be mom. I think at, at any point in time in the next two, three weeks, um, this baby girl might pop out. <laughs> so um, I have kind of scaled back on the coaching a little bit. But I actually did write a book. It is the 90-Day Goals and Action Planner. And that planner is something that my husband and I have been using to really put our goals together and to communicate our, our wants and our needs of what we're trying to do in our own individual lives, but now bring it together as a family sense. So you can use the planner as an individual or um, as a family, and it's, it's something that has changed the entire way that we communicate. Um, so we plan our goals together every quarter. Um, we did this in January this year. We're going to get ready to do it again in March to prep for quarter two, 2020. And um, the book is now available on Amazon for sale. It's also on my website. Um, it's BiancaLangford.com. And just click on the shop button on the top. And um, yeah, that's that's where I am today. I've I've gone from being this woman who really was was grown up but didn't know her own identity, didn't have a good sense of um, self-esteem, and and had very misplaced sense of self-worth. I've gone from that woman to now a person who walks in purpose and who knows God for herself, who knows that she has identity, she has purpose, and that um, there's, there's more to life than just achievements and, and doing what other people expect. It's really about loving God, loving people, and making disciples. So that's my story, and thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Bianca Lankford. She has such an amazing testimony and I hope that you enjoyed it, that it was encouraging for you. I will make sure that I include links to her social media page as well as her own podcast that she's launched recently. And make sure that you guys leave us a review so that we know that you're connecting with the messages that we're sharing. And we'll be back with another powerful story next week.